0: All who are able we ask to please stand for our first reading a reading from Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 hear what the Spirit is saying to the church now the Lord said to Abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and the ones who Who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. We invite all those that are able to stand again for the second reading, which comes from Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. We now move in Acts. The story is going to shift, it's going to change direction. So let us hear what happens. Starting in verse 1, in Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about 3 o'clock he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! He stared at it in terror and said, What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. For a certain Simon, who is called Peter, he is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called to two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. Now about noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanting something to eat. While it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. So they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Then moving to verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to Him. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but we all have experiences in our lives when we feel like outsiders, those moments in life where we realize that we don't quite fit, where we're just a little bit different than everybody else around us. Maybe it happened the first time you went to another country, you realized nobody was speaking English, or maybe it was uh, the first time you went to a city like New York or Atlanta or DC, and you realized everyone just dresses a little bit different than you do. Well, for me, it was when I was in college that this experience first happened. It was my second semester of my sophomore year. I was a Global Studies major at Azusa Pacific University in Southern California, and as a Global Studies student, I was required to do two semesters away from campus, one an Urban Immersion Experience and one an International Immersion Experience. So I left school to attend my Urban Immersion Experience called As a so part of this experience, we live with host families and we took classes at a satellite campus downtown in LA and did a nonprofit internship somewhere in the city. Now my host family were immigrants from El Salvador, Ishmael and his wife Heidi, and they lived in Hollywood, California, and they'd been there since the 1970s in just a wonderful little home. And as I drove up to their house, I got excited because I was going to Hollywood. I had made it made it to Hollywood. We passed right by the street with all the handprints and the Chinese theater where the Oscars are held every year. And it was pretty awesome. And I enjoyed my first couple days with Heidi and Ishmael. Uh, they spoke English fluently and I spoke quite a bit of Spanish. So we got along wonderfully and Heidi was a great cook. She would make tamales and carne asada and tacos that were just wonderful. But everything changed for me on my first day of school. Now as a part of the program you're required to take public transportation the subway or the bus to school and to your internship as to help you understand what it's like to live in the city. So I looked up the subway schedule to see what time I needed to be on the train to make it to my class in the morning on time. The closest subway station was about three three blocks away It was actually underneath the Chinese Man theater where the Oscars were held. It was kind of cool to walk by that place every day on my way to school. But this morning was my first morning. I woke up early to get there on time. I left the house and as I was walking, walked up a block and there sat Hollywood High School, a big high school in the area right on Hollywood and Highland on the corner. And students are mingling outside as they prepare for their classes to start. You know, it's uh, a crisp, California morning in January. Like Georgia, it doesn't get that cold in California. So students are kind of mingling outside, spilling across the street to the McDonald's parking lot as they wait for the bell for class to ring. And as I make my way through these students, kind of trying to fight my way upstream to get through them, to get to the subway, I realize something. Something hits me for the first time in my life. I realize that I'm different. Because I begin to hear Spanish, and Korean, and Chinese, and who knows what other languages, and everyone looks just a little bit different than me. The white boy from Nebraska, the heartland, has been put smack dab in the middle of the multicultural reality that is Los Angeles, California, and I looked different. And I felt it. I felt it that i just looked different have you been there have you been there have you ever felt like an outsider like everyone around you you just quite didn't fit you see the reality is that all throughout human history we've done this right we've separated people into outside inside groups people that are like me people that are different than me and it's it makes sense, right? It's how we make sense of the world around us. Okay, they talk like me, they don't talk like me. They live on my block, they don't live on my block. They work with me, they go to school with me, they don't. And throughout all of human history, we've done this. And we, done, we do this every day. And we do this with silly things, like what college football team you root for, right? Uh, I'm from Nebraska, and in Nebraska, Everyone's a Nebraska fan. There is no pro team, there is only Nebraska football. And one day, my aunt, uh, Pauline, who some of you had the pleasure of meeting uh, at my ordination and installation, brought home this young man to the family. His name was Eric, and Eric was from Oklahoma. Uh, Not only was he from Oklahoma, but he went to the University of Oklahoma and played in the band at Oklahoma. That's not what you do when you're from Nebraska. You don't marry a boy from Oklahoma. And yet, my aunt had fallen in love and they are still married to this day. But Eric was an outsider for a while. Because that's one of those ways that we divide ourselves into different groups. But we do this in other ways too. In ways that mean a lot more than just college football. Barriers that we set up in our story this morning, we see one of those barriers, one of those divisions of humanity coming out to play. You see, in our story this morning, we have the encounter of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and Peter, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus Christ. And in this story, we see the two of them beginning to imagine what life might look like if there weren't inside and outside groups, Jews and Gentiles, but one family of faith under our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The story begins with Cornelius, a Roman. He's not a Jew. He's living in Jewish lands, but he's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's a pagan. He's one on the outside. But Luke, the author of Acts, wants us to know that this isn't just any Roman. This isn't just any soldier. No, this is a God-fearing soldier. And that word God-fearing is the same word that will be used in the Old Testament to describe the father of the faith, Abraham. Abraham, when he takes Isaac to be sacrificed, the angel stops Abraham and he says, Abraham, no, don't kill your son. Because we know, God knows, that you fear Him. Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith, is a God-fearer. And so too is this Roman centurion. So the story in Acts tells us that an angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, God has seen your prayers and your almsgiving, so call for this man named Peter because you need to have a conversation about what it really means to follow Jesus. And so the story shifts. Focus to Peter. Now Peter is the rock on which Christ will build His church, right? This is Peter, the apostle, the disciple. The one who has preached over and over. Who's already been in jail in our book of Acts, and here Peter is on a roof praying, and he has a vision. Like I told the children, a vision of a sheet with unclean animals and lizards and birds. This is a bizarre dream. Um, It's a nightmare, really. It's bizarre. And after it, the voice says, take and eat. Now we got to understand what this means for Peter, because For the Jews, there's a very strict way in which they live. What sets the Jewish nation apart, the Jews apart from everyone else, is the law. The Torah. The way in which they live their lives in relation to God. And a big part of the law is about what you eat. So they didn't eat unclean animals. And Peter had never in his life broken that law. And now... In a dream, he's told, take and eat the, the unclean. That which is unclean, God says, I have made clean. And Peter is confused and perplexed because it just doesn't make any sense. Why would God want me to break? The, I, I don't understand. But before Peter has time to make sense of anything, there's a knock on the door. Peter, there's some people here to see you. There's this Roman centurion in somewhere, and he wants you to come talk to him. But now Peter knows because in Luke, there's another centurion who calls for Jesus. So this isn't the first time Peter's had a run-in with a Roman centurion. But this time there's no Jesus. There's just Peter. And the angel tells Peter, Peter, go without hesitation. So Peter goes. Now, Peter gets to the house. And and I think, again, we need to realize that Jews don't talk to Gentiles. This is a line in the sand that is not crossed. It was not okay for Peter to enter the home of a Gentile, to sit around the table, to eat together. And so, listening to the Spirit, Peter decides, okay, I'll go, and I'll even go inside the house But all the while, I'm sure Peter is questioning well, now what? How how far, God, are we going to take this thing? Well, Cornelius bows at Peter's feet and says, Thank you for coming. And Peter, realizing in this moment what the dream was about, asks Cornelius to get up, and Peter responds. He responds in verse 34 he says, Then Peter began to speak. I truly understand. And that word understand is not just knowledge that one has had, but it's, it's new knowledge. It's new understanding. It's new insight. It's that moment in life where you're in a fog and then all of a sudden the fog is lifted and you can see clearly. It's when the puzzle comes together for the first time. And Peter is making sense of the dream that was puzzling him. But now, this Roman Cornelius, a God-fearer, Peter understands. And he says, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to Him. The Gospel is no longer just for Jews. It's for all people. For all people. For anyone who fears God and does what is acceptable is now welcomed into the family of faith. This is radical, life-altering, world-changing stuff. Because we wouldn't be sitting here this morning if Peter had just been like, nope, God, I, this is too much for me. I can't handle it. Because I don't know about you, but my family is not Jewish. Uh, we're, we're Czech and Catholic, I think. But I'm here this morning because Peter listened and Peter went and was willing to follow the Spirit into a home of a Roman centurion. So Peter preaches a sermon. Preaches a sermon reminding us that we are all witnesses to what Christ has done. And now Peter is realizing that what Christ has done is for the whole world. And the story of Luke and Acts is the story in Luke of Jesus' movement to Jerusalem. The first half of the book. The second half of the book acts the movement of the Gospel, of the church from Jerusalem to Judea and now the very ends of the earth and Peter is staring at the ends of the earth in the face because it's a Roman centurion named Cornelius. This goes against everything Peter thought he knew the world is turned upside down. The one that was on the outside is now a part of the family. And if anyone is unsure that this isn't of God, at the end of the story, the Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way. And the Gentiles start speaking in tongues just like the Jews had done on Pentecost. And they're baptized because Peter recognizes that they believe, and they're welcomed into the family of faith. In this text, Luke creates a scene in which old divisions are broken down and those who were once at odds, Jews and Gentiles, chat amiably within the home that had been off-limits to Peter. It gives us a glimpse of the new possibilities for the community. And the Apostle Paul, who was just converted in the last chapter, if you remember, the one who persecuted the Jews, who now becomes the Apostle Paul. I mean, this is a theme in Acts. God making the impossible possible. The Apostle Paul will take this reality of Jew and Gentile becoming one family, and he will wrestle with it for the rest of his ministry. And many of The books of the New Testament that Paul writes, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, they're about this issue. How do Jews and Gentiles live together as one body? And in Ephesians, writing to a church very much in the midst of that struggle, Paul writes these words, Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ is our peace. In His flesh, He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. This story of Peter and Cornelius it has implications for us here in Columbus, Georgia. It has implications for us both personally and corporately. Because corporately, we are a part of the church. The church where anyone who believes in Christ and does what Christ asks is welcomed into the faith. And so our call is to tell that story. To be a community that loves and shows grace and mercy and compassion to a world that is desperately in need of good news. As the great reformer Martin Luther liked to remind his congregation, the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And our story this morning reminds us of that. That things have changed. That the walls have come down. But this crazy story, this story with flying sheets or carpets and literally flying pigs, doesn't just have to do with us corporately. It has to do with us individually or particularly. Because this story shows that God is at work both in Peter and Cornelius' life. Way before Peter gets there, God's already at work in Cornelius' life. And God is calling us to look for Cornelius's wherever we are. And it's okay, because God's already there. God's already at work. I mean, this is scary stuff, talking about faith with friends and coworkers, with our neighbors. But God's already there. God's already at work, stirring hearts like Cornelius, and they're just waiting for someone to say, hey, can I tell you the story of Jesus Christ and what that means for me and for you and for the world? And have no fear, because God is already there. As one commentator on this passage says, faith, when it comes down to it, is often our breathless attempt to keep up with the redemptive activity of God. To keep asking ourselves, what is God going to do next? And where is God working now? Will you follow God to the Corneliuses in your life? In September, we're going to celebrate a day together here at First Presbyterian called Back to Church Sunday where our evangelism and outreach committee has asked us to challenge our congregation. That everybody ask at least one person to come to church with you. Just one. Now, we're not asking you to ask your neighbor that you know goes pretty regularly to Christ Community Church. They can keep going to Christ Community. That's great. Or to St. Luke or First Baptist or Trinity Episcopal Church. But we want to ask you and challenge you to be on the lookout for the Cornelius in your life. And invite them to come. To come and hear the good news that in Christ, things have changed. That those who were once far off, and friends, that's all of us, have been brought near. In Jesus Christ. This is challenging stuff. It's it's hard to strike up faith conversations with people. It's hard. I'm a pastor and it's hard for me when I'm standing in the checkout line at Publix or in a restaurant or with my family. But God is calling us because God's already there. And we do this out of gratitude. We do it out of gratitude because we were all broken. And in Christ, we have been made whole. So let's tell the story, friends. Let's live out the truth that in Christ we are all one. That there is neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male nor female. No, in Christ, we are one. And may we be people that invite others into that amazing story. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.